Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. Trent Williams, the founder of U.S. Debt Solutions, is back, and I am happy to feature him again in the Next Chapters series. Welcome back, Trent. Good to be here. Thank you for inviting me back. Now, you decided to write this second or maybe third chapter of your life and career at a time when a whole lot of people are retiring and heading for the golf course or to the pickleball court or to the beach or anywhere other than starting a new business. So today I want to talk about the hurdles and how you've overcome the hurdles that came with starting a new business. And last time you shared with us that you actually had a failed business. So I want to talk about the hurdles and what it was like and what it's still like and what you've learned from them. But before we get there, will you just give us a little nutshell for people who didn't tune into the last episode of what U.S. Debt Solution does and for whom? Absolutely. U.S. Debt Solutions focuses exclusively on helping individuals who have been served a lawsuit from a consumer creditor, be it a bank, be it a credit card company, be it a consumer finance company, for non-payment of a debt. We know that individuals uh, were hit hard by the COVID pandemic, lost income, lost jobs, uh, and are still trying to recover from that. So those individuals who had a consumer debt that went into collections, wasn't paid, and now is a lawsuit, are finding themselves facing a lawsuit in a court hearing. We work exclusively with those individuals to assist them for a fee in negotiating a settlement and a payment plan for that debt and then helping to petition with the attorney to have their court hearing dismissed so they don't have to take off work and spend hours in the courtroom to do what it is we're doing for them. Mm -hmm. How does that um, help their credit report? So the credit report has already been damaged from the charge-off. Once a consumer credit gets to a lawsuit, that means that the consumer company is charged off that debt. So the damage has already been done. We help them restore that because once the payment plan that is initiated through the settlement agreement is executed and they pay their final payment, then they can petition uh, to the courts and to the attorney that that debt has been paid off. They can then send that to one of the three consumer reporting agencies, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, that this debt is paid. And that um, I-9 charge-off would then be corrected to show that it's been paid. So not until the debt is paid in full um, can it be improved uh, because it is a charged-off debt the consumer our credit reporting agency shows that on the credit report, but can amend that with the consumer statement once it's paid off. Okay. Okay. So the big hurdles, what have they been and how'd you jump over them? Okay. Um, hiring has, you know, has, has, has had its challenges. I had an individual that was working with me that um, I found out through um 
you know, looking at um, my my books, that some numbers weren't quite adding up uh, as far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a polite way to say that! <laughs> and um, so, um, uh, might have been um, ciphering some funds all for for personal use and having individuals that that were coming into the company pay them directly, as opposed to paying the company. And so, <laughs> you know, have to correct for, for those situations immediately. Oh, yeah. uh, and so, you know, finding the right people for any employer is always difficult. And in this post-COVID uh, environment where we find ourselves, finding people that want to work, that are honest, um, is, is, is a challenge. And so we have a couple of employees that, that, that work with us. And, you know, we, we have the checks and balances in, mm-hmm. um, in place. Um, but when we first started off, you know, we had this nice office building. We had to furnish it. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of places that will sell you furniture um, and, you know, you'll, you'll spend a, a pretty penny. But with research uh, and determination, you can find things at a, um, what is it, bargain basement price. Mm-hmm. And so um, stumbled upon this auction place that um, companies that are downsizing or going out of business give their furniture to to auction off to sell. And so we found that the National Association of Black Accountants was downsizing and they were selling conference room furniture, office furniture, desk chairs, the whole gamut. And so we were able to uh, fill a four office reception area with what looked like brand new furniture for a song. I love it. And so, um, you know, uh, obstacles are, you know, don't rush into anything. And and we were prevented from rushing in and spending thousands upon thousands of dollars mm-hmm. for used furniture when we could get um, almost new furniture for a song, mm-hmm. uh, probably 20 cents on the dollar. Wow. That's excellent. Yes. Um, but, you know, we that was something we could have really easily stumbled into uh, and would have been a financial hurdle. Okay. And taking a lot of resources, financial resources that were meant to be able to, you know, steady the tide of those periods where the income wasn't as strong so that you could pay your your employees. Had we done that, we probably would not have been able to make it more than nine months. Wow. On my personal finances. Wow. Wow. You said something that I want to I just want to go back to. You said don't rush in. Where are the areas where you see new businesses rushing in? Hiring the wrong employees. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not having a tested business plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and saying, okay, I, I, here's, the, here's the income I think I can make. Here's the expenses I, I think I'll have to spend. Um, and just putting it on paper, rushing that business plan and not revising that. We probably... The three of us that that are involved in U.S. Debt Solution, myself, Alfonso Brooks, Elvin Rivera, um, we probably spent six to eight weeks just on testing the business plan. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you mean? How do you how did you test it? Um, testing it, and do we have all the expenses in here? Um, and tweaking the income side. Okay, let's let's say we have this income projection. Let's say for these. Um, first months, let's test it at 20% of income 
and put that in the business plan as opposed to what you think you'll get? And how does that impact the expenses and the shortfall? And where does the shortfall come in? And making sure that as you take a very conservative approach to your business plan and you see the uh, shortfall and the deficit that you have the resources to be able to cover that over an extended period of time, not just 90 days, okay. but at least a year. Okay. And if you can test that business plan by tweaking the income, uh, ratcheting up expenses and have a column for unexpected expenses. What I didn't know is that, you know, although I bought this furniture and I bought some uh, two large high printing, high print capacity um, copiers and printers from the U.S. government at an auction, might I add, for a song, uh, did not realize that, you know, the repair of those copiers, these high-end copiers, which, you know, the companies that I worked for, you know, you would just sign an invoice and somebody (laughs) in a back office would pay that expense. Now that expense comes to you. And Mm -hmm. that was certainly an unanticipated expense of repairing uh, these copiers, which are, you know, these high capacity copiers, which allow you to do a lot of things, have a lot of parts. Mm-hmm. And when they break um, in this in this period of COVID, um, a hurdle was you have downtime because your copier, which prints those thousand marketing letters to go out each week, is broken and you can't print. Mm-hmm. And if you can't print your marketing uh, materials and mail them out, you have no opportunity to get income mm-hmm. from those leads that come in. And so um, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And so you have to go out and you have to find a vendor that can be a short-term um, replacement for your printer to be able to print, um, seal, and mail those letters for you that you were doing yourself mm-hmm. with these high-end copiers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something that you don't anticipate. Mm-hmm. I didn't anticipate it probably should have, would do it if I started another company. But Yeah, but who would think about copier breakdown being a big expense? That's just not something right. that or, I or, would think Or about. not having the part to be able to fix it within, you know, two days. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to wait two and a half weeks for that part because we're, we're in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. And that's one of those, hmm, never would have thought of that. Never would have thought. But causes you to have to pivot quickly. So that you can find a way to still take the leads that are coming in and be able to get them into the hands of individuals who will call you and say, I need your help. Okay. Were there other never would have thought of that that came up? Um, there was a fire in the building. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, it, usually you think about a fire in a building. Okay, it's no big deal. There's sprinklers. Right. Put them out very quickly. Did not realize that the building that I went into, which had been re, um, renovated four years before I started my lease, did not have sprinklers and was godfathered in by the county to not have to have sprinklers. Oh. Thankfully, it wasn't on our floor, but the whole building had to evacuate. Oh. Um, for several days. So that means those were days where you couldn't work. Yeah. Well, Who would have thought? Right. <laughs> Every building I go into and I look to see if there's a sprinkler. <laughs> Let's see, are there sprinklers in this recording studio? <laughs> but again, things that you just don't think about that until they happen, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. got to pivot. Yeah. So, you know, as a business owner, uh, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, being able to pivot 
quickly and often is a mandate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't be stuck. You cannot be stuck. You have to constantly be open to new ideas and then be willing to move on those right. new ideas. And you can't let it emotionally derail you. Oh, something else. This Is this just a sign that I shouldn't be doing this business? No, it's just something you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And let emotion, put emotion aside, deal with the issue that's in front of you, make the necessary correction you need to make, and get going again. And get going again. Yeah, you got to pick yourself up and get back in the race. Yes. So I want to talk a little bit about support systems because, you know, with the unexpected things, with the initial fears, what support systems did you have and do you have to help you get through this? You know, you, you always have your inner circle, your, your boys or your mm-hmm. girls um, or people that, you know, you just trust immensely with everything, all your secrets, all your skeletons in your closets, um, and, and you rely on, you know, being a sounding board mm-hmm. uh, and being able to give you advice, point you in the right direction, um, uh, hold them accountable for holding you accountable for what it is you know, you've set out to do in life and, you know, to have the courage to say, hey, um, I think you're doing this wrong and Mm. don't take offense to that. Mm -hmm. Those are the people you need in your inner circle to be able to help with these things like pivots, um, lease contracts. Um, You know, I I dealt with a lot of lease contracts in my times with Bank of America and with Wells Fargo and negotiated new office building, new offices for for both uh, organizations. But when it came time to do my lease, I didn't rely solely on my expertise for the four or five new offices that I was able to expand. I went to my guy in my inner circle who knows leases well, um, deals with them. I said, hey, I feel very comfortable about this lease, but I would love to have a second pair of eyes. Mm. You got to have a second pair of eyes for those important decisions. And he was able to point out things that I missed. That you didn't see. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could have relied solely on my expertise. I've done this before. I've done this with, you know, the four or five offices that I started. Um, I know leases. I know commercial leases. I know the pitfalls and everything. I missed a couple. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so just having people that you can just talk to honestly and who will respond back to you honestly and be willing to receive that. So what you're talking about also is humility. So you haven't gone into this thinking, I had a successful career and I know things. Um, you've been humble. Yeah. Well, I was humbled by that failed business because I went into that business. Um, this you is know, the recruiting This business. is the recruiting business. Uh-huh. I'm very good at recruiting. I know people. I can I can spot talent. I can uncover talent. Uh, and I, I focused on those specialty high paying positions, mm-hmm. um, which were which were hard to fill. And so, you know, I went into this business thinking, you know, I'm coming back. I'm coming out of a 30-year successful banking career where I've hired these specialty positions. Uh, they've done well um, under my tutelage. I've, I've been able to identify and grow talent um, recruiting. You know, that's, that's, that's just right up my alley. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that humbled me not only um, how difficult it was going into it, um, uh, being now that I don't have the name of a big institution behind me, and it's just Trent Williams recruiter, um, that humbled me. And then the failure of that business during COVID where people were laying off in droves um, uh, really, really 
gave me great humility. <laughs> <laughs> but what it also did was give you good information for founding this next business. Yes. It gave you really good information. Yes. It, it made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that uncomfortableness helped me to grow and be able to position myself for my, my next stage in life, this current stage. So now... You mentioned having a a strong inner circle. Do you have any mentors or coaches that work with you to help you along? I I look at my inner circle as my coaches. Um, um, They they are the ones that um, I bounce ideas off of. They are the ones that offer suggestions. They're the ones that pointed me in the direction of the um, paid agencies by the states to help individuals that are starting or looking to grow their businesses. Um, So my inner circle serves as not only my friends, my coaches who will give hard advice. um, um, Those individuals uh, contain all of those skill sets and talents. Now, I know that you're a giver. Do you find yourself mentoring and coaching other uh, startup business owners? I, I haven't started coaching and mentoring other startup businesses. I did that in my time working with um, within the banking industry. I spend my mentoring time mentoring youth. Um, I have um, a mentor now that um, has just graduated college that I've been mentoring for several years mm-hmm. um, and helping him find his pathway mm-hmm. into what he wants to do in life. And so helping introduce him to people within my network that can help him get a job within his field. So not necessarily mentoring businesses haven't come across that opportunity, although I'm not opposed to it, but our our black male youth need our help. Okay. Okay. So that's where you're putting your, your energy. Well, that's one of the many places one you're One of putting the many places energy. where I'm putting my energy, yes. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about the future of U.S. Debt Solutions. Where do you want to go? How do you want to grow? We want to scale this into other states, the Carolinas, um, the the Pennsylvanias, the New Jerseys, those markets, high um, default rates on credit cards, a lot of poverty, individuals that look like the individuals in Maryland that we're helping. Um, so we want to scale, get the data extraction tweaked, perfected, so that we can consistently extract data week after week and be able to go into those states. Do you see any particular potential stumbling blocks or potential problems with scaling? What are you anticipating with scaling? The the, the stumbling blocks that we anticipate experiencing, we're experiencing now with data extraction. So bots, which don't understand, but I can, I can, I can visualize what they do. Bots go in, extract the data from these um, sites, these public sites, um, and then be able, then that data's then translated into usable data that we can use to send out mailings. The states don't like data being extracted. Uh, except from, um, I, I guess, pre-authorized means, large law firms can do it uh, without any issue. But small companies that are coming in extracting data is not something that is often welcomed. And okay. oftentimes when it's not welcomed, the um, technology is changed 
to prevent the extraction of that data. And so even though it's public data, uh, you can't extract it in, in mass. OK. You okay. know, pulling you know, 2000 um, uh, points of information okay. in, in 30 minutes. That's what, you know, if you want to do it individually, yes, that that's allowed, but that's not conducive to being able to put it into um, timely usable data to send mm -hmm. out. It would take to pull 2000 records manually could take you a couple of weeks. Ugh. And by that time, um, it's outdated. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's a hurdle. That's a stumbling block. That's something that we have to and do anticipate as we go into these other states. And the vendors that we will partner with will be able to pivot quickly to change their technology to be able to continue to pull that and extract that data. That's interesting. Um, it's so funny because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if it's public, if it's a public record, what's the big deal? But um, it obviously is a big deal. Yes. And some states that we want to go into currently do not have the address of the defendant. They have the plaintiff's name. They have the defendant's name, but they don't have the address. It's critical that we have the address to be able to send mailing to mm -hmm. um, or find a, again, another resource or vendor that can take this information of the name and the county that they reside in and give us an address. So again, as we find the hurdles, what's the resolution to that hurdle mm -hmm. that will allow us to consistently be able to pull and extract data without interruption? So what's your criteria for another state to scale? Like, how are you, how, why would you pick Florida over Georgia or North Carolina over South Carolina. So so we would look at the public information that is out there on the default rate of credit card debt and and see how it's concentrated and which counties it's concentrated in because that data is available. Uh, and then we would look at the demographics in those states that have high default rates. And so if we see a lot of poverty, individuals living below the median income, um, that's a target-rich market for us that we would want to go into. Okay. Okay. So you have systems in place for the scale. I hear people talk a lot about, we're going to scale. And then when they're asked specific questions about how, they can talk about why, why they want to scale, but not about how they're going to scale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's always very interesting to me because, I mean, the why is pretty simple, but the how is where the planning and the strategy come in. Correct. How often do you guys revisit your business plan and your strategic plan? Um, probably not often enough. Um, quite honestly, um, I would I look at our business plan when I do my taxes. Okay. <laughs> Let's be real. I, I, I have I have, you know, not spent a lot of time on the business plan um, when we're focused just in Maryland. As we scale and expand, that business plan becomes much more important and then would be reviewed on a quarterly basis. OK, OK. All right. But at least, you know, you have a plan for when you're going to plan to review I have it. a plan for when I have a, when I will, will plan. <laughs> So as you think about the hurdles and how you've overcome them, 
What's the advice that you would give to an entrepreneur who's starting out? What would you say about hurdles? Like, what, what would you say? Um, understand what is the single most important way in which you're getting your business and deriving your income. And think about ways in which that can be disrupted, mm-hmm. um, unforeseen things. And when it's disrupted, because it will be disrupted, how will you pivot? Mm-hmm. Have a plan for pivoting. Again, don't ever get comfortable. Always be uncomfortable because that's the only way that you can grow emotionally, grow your business, um, understand that something is going to derail you. Keep emotion out of it. Find a way to fix it, fix it, and keep it moving. And keep it moving. And know that it could happen again and be prepared when it does. I like that. You said something else. I don't even know if you realize you said it about how people spend and not uh, spending beyond your means. When you told the story about the office furniture, because to me, that could have been a self-imposed hurdle. Um, So I think that that's another really important nugget that you shared. One of the other things that I see a lot with new business owners is an obsession with the trappings, um, with, you know, I'm I'm two years in this business, so I'm buying a Benz. Um, I'm three years in this business, so I'm upgrading my house. Um, What kinds of thoughts do you have to share on when to enjoy the fruits and when to just kind of put those fruits away to freeze them because you might need them later. I, I'm, I'm a banker mm-hmm. by, 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 by profession and by, by thinking, squirrel those nuts away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if your car is not broken and just has a few years on them and a few miles on them, but it's still looking good, polish that car up and keep driving that car and save your money um, from investing in a new vehicle. Because when you invest in a new vehicle, it is a declining asset. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to put your money in a declining asset. Put that money in the market. Save your rainy day. Uh, as a business owner, if you have two years of expenses squirreled away into an account, then at that point in time, you can use some of the fruits of your labor. Because mm-hmm. if you have a two-year um, uh, uh, um, savings, you can you can weather any storm. Mm-hmm. But you know until you have that, and you know to get two years of 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 expenses in an account saved away in an investment account that's earning uh, into some CDs that are earning you something, not in just a savings account unless it's a high end money market yield. Um, until you get that, you don't have enough money mm-hmm. for the business. I learned that during the pandemic, I was never so thankful that I had saved as I was during the pandemic. I mean, I was never so grateful to God as I was during that time that I could continue my life, but I would not have been able to do that if I had not saved. Right Now, it didn't thrill me to have to take money out of savings, but as my mother used to say, you you better be glad you had it there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and instead of buying the high-end ticket items, you know, take your family on a vacation, mm-hmm. take some time off work, give yourself some me time instead of the large purchases mm-hmm. and then come back and keep it moving. Those yeah. are the suggestions that I would make for business owners. A lot of times we get caught in the trappings of, oh, I own my own business. I can go into work at 11 o'clock, 
get off at three, go play golf um, four <laughs> days this week. Um, work like you are working for someone else because you are. Right. You're working for yourself. That's right. And so still come into the office at eight o'clock, still work until seven, mm-hmm. like you used to do when you were thriving in the other business where you were an employee and you were making great strides and you were on top of your game. Translate that into your business and bring those same elements and work ethic into your business because it's just you. Right. And that's very important. Yeah, that's very important. Thank you so much for sharing your next chapter on the Smichael Speaks podcast channel. Remind me, remind us of how someone can get in touch with U.S. Debt Solutions. U.S. Debt Solutions has a website, usdebtsolutionsllc.com. We have some credit counseling information on our website. We have our phone number to call um, and speak directly with me, 301-328-8541. We talk to individuals. We provide a service for a fee, but there are certain individuals that are within an area of sensitivity for me personally that I don't feel comfortable taking money from and give free advice to help them Uh, weather this storm when they're facing a lawsuit so they don't have to decide whether to pay this bill uh, that they're being sued for or buy the medicine that's critical to their life and expanding their life. Um, And so for our seniors, I have a soft spot for you. I, 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 give advice about um, how the government is protecting their Social Security from uh, attachment from creditors uh, that they don't know about and and help them kind of ease some of the fear and anxiety around a creditor coming and taking their Social Security check because the federal government mandates that they cannot. So that's your passion, protecting our seniors. Protecting our seniors. That's wonderful. Repeat the phone number one more time, just in case there's a senior listening and they did not have a pen. Yes, 301-328-8541. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate you spending your time with me and with us today. And I appreciate the insights that you've given, not just on your own next chapter, but to help people write their next chapter. So thank you again, Trent. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity to tell my story. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.